stars could shine between the lines if you would let yourself go find some place you know you can use your words use your hands you can change the world you just pretend express yourself take a chance and you'll see who you'll be it's time to express yourself where teens talk and the world listens Presented by Star Style Productions as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. You'll rock to an hour of adolescent fusion with your teen hosts and on-air reporters. Meet and chat with cool celebrities, exhilarating experts, and tenacious teens with subjects regarding anything and everything that you want to know. It's time to kick off the fun with our star teens. Welcome to Express Yourself. the art of medicine is loved, there is also a love of humanity. And this is from Hippocrates. Hello and welcome to Express Yourself. We are a program by, for, and with creative young people, a platform to give teens a voice, right here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. From Cynthia Bryan, creator and producer of Express Yourself and Star Style Productions, we bring this program to the airwaves as an outreach service of the Be The Star You Are charity, a top nonprofit honored by GuideStar and great nonprofits. I'm Brigitte And I'm Siri Panindra. Before we get into today's show, Be The Star You Are's volunteers and I want to urge you to check out our website at btsya.org. Social distancing in this COVID-19 era has been detrimental to authors and as part of our Be The Star You Are disaster relief outreach program, Be The Star You Are has collaborated with the Authors Guild to showcase the new books launched by many authors from around the country in a variety of genres. So for the next few months, make sure you're tuned in to both Star Style, Be The Star You Are, on Wednesdays at 4 p.m. for Wednesdays with Writers, as well as this program, Express Yourself, airing on Sundays at 3 p.m. for Super Smart Sundays, both broadcasting right here on the Voice America Network Empowerment Channel to learn about these fantastic authors and books. And it's basically like a giant readathon. All right, uh, so with that, um, I'd like to just start the show off by sharing some of my personal experiences with the field of medicine and just kind of have a conversation over what goes into making that decision and what went into it for me uh, personally. So. Currently, I'm actually studying to become a doctor in the future, so medicine as a theme uh, has been on my mind lately, so to speak, and I'm sure it has been on on everybody else's uh, due to this global pandemic, COVID-19, that's been putting a lot of things into perspective for me, and I I can imagine a lot of people uh, who have been going through the same thing across the world. So for a long time, I wasn't really certain about this career path, about going into medicine and becoming a physician. Um, I didn't really even think about it uh, or becoming a physician, going down the pre-medical track, any of that, until my freshman year of college. Um, I, I've i been on Express Yourself for a long time. And I think uh, when I started out and for the majority of my time here, I really believed that I would be a political science major. I would maybe go to law school. Uh, I would you know, put myself into history, art history, the humanities, and law and politics. 
And even my parents, when I told them that I wanted to make this switch, weren't really sure that I was suited to follow this route uh, <laughs> to and beyond medical school. They said, you know, maybe you're more suited to to be someone else, to not go into this heavy, intensive uh, track, major career, uh, whatever you want to call it. Um, and so I was really shaking on that. But I had the intention of majoring in neuroscience, and at my university, the major requirements for the neuroscience degree are actually really similar to the pre-medical requirements. So I was like, you know what, let, let me just give it a go. I'm going to try it out, and if anything, I can just go into neuroscience research as, as another path if this doesn't work out. I'm going to give the pre-medical tract a shot. I'm going to try dedicating myself to medicine because I'm interested in it right now. And if I find my passion there, I'll stick with it. If not, I can always pivot. I can look into research and I can study the brain, which is, you know, <laughs> definitely not a bad career choice and something pretty amazing to do anyway, to go into research and discover new scientific innovations. But okay, I began to pursue this medical career in earnest. Uh, I started conducting diabetes and uh, thermogenesis research in a lab at the University Medical Center my freshman year. I shadowed, I currently shadow, uh, well, not really because the pandemic has unfortunately um, put a sort of halt to everybody's plans, <laughs> um, but I shadowed at the university's children's hospital I, you know, I tried to jump into it. I tried to see what medicine was all about. And uh, I thought today that I could read some excerpts from my shadowing track logs on this segment uh, and what exactly I found when I delved into medicine, which just so happens to be the theme for this week on Express Yourself. So here we go. This is from the fall semester um, of 2019, and it begins like this. I attended A-Wing morning rounds and visited pediatric patients with Dr. Uh, Christian, my physician, and I observed basic IV heart line pull procedures from infants and young children, and I acquired a deeper understanding of congenital heart conditions that originate from structural complications in the organ at birth. As a shadowing student, I saw the decision-making process that cardiac surgeons and cardiologists go through when treating young, critical condition patients whose lives are on the line. I witnessed their collaborative efforts to find the means of stabilizing patients and resolving operative difficulties. Now, that all sounds a little bit clinical and probably something that you would write down for an essay or for a track log, a physician track log. But... Um, to give a little bit of background here, I was going in during the fall semester about once a week, uh, early in the morning, and my physician's shift started at 7.30. So she was at the hospital by maybe 7, going over her papers and going over what she needed to do for the day. And she is a cardiac surgeon. She's amazing, just this incredible dedication. She's absolutely phenomenal at what she does and she's so dedicated she would be up there before I was up there me an undergraduate with no no responsibilities in comparison to hers uh, she would be before me she would have a giant tumbler of iced tea and she'd be ready for the day for whatever came her way and actually, the first time that I went up there it was a Tuesday beginning of the semester and I go up there 
I'm like, all right, I'm ready to start shadowing. I'm ready to go through the rounds and this routine procedure. And her, one of her nurses says she's, she's in the OR. She's in the operating room. Like she's already there at 7.30 in the morning. You know, we can take you on a tour of the rounds. You can, you can maybe go down there and see what it's like. And I just, it sort of hit me how, intense and how powerful her job is and as I kept going with rounds I got to see a lot of a lot of kids who were suffering and you know who were who were in there because they they hadn't done anything wrong you know they never it sounds cliche but they're in there because they were born with, you know, a congenital heart condition that didn't offer them, you know, some of the opportunities that I'd had with my life. And I just, I felt so privileged <laughs> and on my high horse. And I thought, well, I've been, I've been given all these opportunities to, to grow up, to be healthy, to have this this amazing childhood where I've been able to, you know, learn about the humanities and learn about law and, and think about going into political science and think about going into a major, um, without any real health problems or real pressures on me. And maybe I should be giving back. And so my next log (laughs) goes into this a little bit. Um, I start out like this. Every shadowing session led me to examine both the fragility of good health and the physician's role in maintaining it. I expected to experience my physician's quotidian schedule, but making rounds through rooms of tiny newborns and witnessing tumultuous daily changes in their diagnoses altered my perspective on the value of my own life. One visit that struck me was a stop by the room of a 17-year-old girl with severe cardiac and respiratory conditions. Uh, After a routine checkup, my physician and I made ready to leave. Um, And in parting, I actually, I commented on the view of um, one of the buildings in the window. And the patient had been looking exhausted. She looked so tired and she turned to me and she smiled. And in that, that instant, I, I just, desperately wanted to be able to heal her and it it really I don't know it it hurt to know that that the two of us could have been in each other's shoes she was so close in age to me I think that's what made it hit so hard is that I was a 19 year old just starting my sophomore year of college and she was a 17 year old in in a hospital bed you know just just hooked up to all of these different machines waiting to hear her next diagnosis going going through all of these tests and having all of these different pharmacological agents you know administered on her and i uh, i sort of i i came out of that shadowing session very shaken sort of thinking about who i was and what i should dedicate my life to and what it really meant to sort of be on this path on this pre-medical track because she could have been me and i could have been her it was it it was a matter of something that happened at her birth 
uh, that that maybe you know she wasn't she wasn't thinking about the sort of trivial things that I spent my days thinking about, you know, what I was going to have for lunch the next day or, or, you know, what I was going to do with my friends later in the evening. And she, she was in that hospital bed and I was here as a shadowing student making this decision to go either on one career path or another. And maybe one of those career paths could have led to me helping her in some way or helping people like her. Um, and I think from my logs, I was pretty shaken up. And I think it that moment still shakes me up a lot. And I think that, that's the value of medicine. Uh, that's, that's the value of me going into medicine is what I found, is that hopefully if there's, if there's some sort of direct change that I can enact, uh, on someone else in someone else's life that this is the path to doing it um, and I did realize that a little late in my freshman year of college um, but hopefully it'll go somewhere you know <laughs> I don't know Siri, what do you think I've just been blathering for the past segment um, yeah what, what how what are your feelings on the subject first of all I just I love your experiences that you described and you know, during this time, especially, I just, I admire anyone who is aspiring or who is currently in the medical field, because they are truly our heroes. And just, you know, it's just so kind of them to basically sacrifice themselves and, you know, be so selfless for others. And, you know, just listening to your segment, it just made me think, wow, this is, you know, doctors are just so amazing. Absolutely. I think especially in in this crisis now, I think you're you're a hundred percent right about that is is we're we're getting to know the value, the true value of healthcare workers. And uh, for especially outside of the US too, in countries like Britain where we see the NHS and public health care, we're seeing the value of uh, people who are dedicating their lives to their country's citizens it's very powerful mm -hmm. and I feel you know gratitude is so important and um, you know how you basically give that example of living in some other person's shoes you know I feel we need to keep gratitude journals or you know just sometimes collect you know all the reasons why we are thankful and I absolutely appreciate how you know you put that gratitude element into your experiences well Thank you, Brigitte, so much for sharing your wonderful story. Unfortunately, we are out of time for this segment. And as a reminder, the newest establishment in the series, Be the Star You Are, Millennials to Boomers, celebrating gifts of positive voices in a changing digital world, is available now and can be found at starstylestore.net. And if you're looking for a new book to read, especially at a time like this, consider picking up a copy. I'm Siri Panindra. And I'm Brigitte Gia. Remember that your book purchase benefits the Be The Star You Are 501c3 charity and this Express Yourself program as a donation. So make sure you get your copy today and, you know, keep sponsoring programs like this one. Check out youtube.com slash be the star you are for our fun and informative BTSYA videos on living, laughing, and learning. Also, visit us at btsya.org and check out past editions of our show at expressyourselfteenradio.com. 
Keep on listening to our conversation about medicine on Express Yourself after the break. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Are you a teen interested in becoming a radio personality? The Positive Message Outreach Program of Be The Star You Are Charity trains dedicated young people to be reporters and hosts on Express Yourself Teen Radio. Visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com for information. That's ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Don't forget to tune in to Express Yourself Tuesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Kids, where teens talk and the world listens. Voice America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn. You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. us here at Express Yourself on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We are here today with Dr. Bonnie McLean, author of Integrative Medicine, The Return of the Soul to Healthcare. Uh, Dr. McLean conducts her acupuncture practice with a holistic approach. Using acupuncture as her primary tool, she also incorporates hypnosis, guided imagery, energy medicine, energy psychology, and shamanic healing. Dr. McLean received her Master of Arts in Counseling from Pepperdine University in 1976 and her doctorate in Oriental Medicine in California in 1986. She has been in the healthcare field for over 50 years, and she was awarded Top Doctor of Oriental Medicine and Acupuncture in 2019 and also awarded Top Holistic Healer of the Decade 2020 by the International Association of Top Professionals. Dr. McQueen has been speaking on healthy aging for over 30 years and has the answers to questions about healthy aging and integrative medicine. Oh my goodness, that is an absolutely amazing list of accomplishments. And uh, Dr. McLean, Dr. Bonnie McLean, <laughs> I wanted to ask mm-hmm. on air uh, you'd like to be addressed as Dr. McLean or Bonnie, whatever suits you best and ensures a great conversation for us today. Oh, Bonnie's fine. Wonderful. Well, we're excited to have you on today, Bonnie. And, you know, I just want to jump right in and ask you from the start, you know, what made you want to go into a healthcare profession and integrative medicine in particular? Well, I was brought up, my father was a physician. He was a physician and a surgeon. He was a urologist, kidney doctor. And my mother was a nurse. And so I grew up in a medical home, and I was surrounded with, you know, everything, medications and, you know, all the, uh, you know, jargon of the medical profession. And I just always knew I wanted to be a healer, and at the time, it felt like the best avenue was to become a nurse. So 
dad sent me to Duke University School of Nursing, and I went there four years, and then I practiced nursing for about 20 years. And I started, frankly, I started burning out, and I started seeing some changes in the medical profession that um, I just didn't um, feel comfortable with anymore. I felt like I was doing less and less hands-on with my patients, and that was the reason I had gone into nursing was to be able to, you know, touch people and to listen to them and spend time with them, get to know them and their families. And that was getting less and less, and it was becoming more and more technological. So that was happening. And I was also, I, I didn't realize at the time that I was actually burning out, but I started having health issues myself. And this was back in the 1970s. I was living out in California. And so I uh, started studying what was emerging back then called the holistic health movement, which meant body, mind, and spirit, which was a new concept in this country. And I started going to these seminars that they were having for doctors and nurses and physical therapists, massage therapists, and started learning you know, more about natural ways and self-empowerment with our healing and started incorporating the things that I was learning with my own health. And I was amazed at how my own health responded. And it made me a believer. And so between those two things that were going on, I decided I was going to find another healing profession I was going to go into counseling. That's when I got my master's from Pepperdine in counseling. And then I actually fell in love with an acupuncturist (laughs) out in Southern California. And so he kind of started guiding me more in that direction of acupuncture. He showed me how wonderful it was as he treated me, and I watched him, you know, treat uh, animals and people, actually. And the animals impressed me because I knew it wasn't placebo. You know, they didn't have an idea in their heads ahead of time that it was going to work, right? So he got such miraculous results with them and and some of the changes that my body went through under the needle, so to speak. And I just decided that was what I wanted to study. So I went back to school for another five years to um, get my license and my doctorate in Oriental Medicine. And I've never looked back. I've never had a regret. I'm doing now what I went into nursing to do in the first place. And, you know, I would love to see that come back to nursing. So to me, you know, I think we've gone too far in the technological direction now. And and medicine to me has become more based on a profit motive. And I don't agree with that at all. I don't think we should be making money off of sick people. So I like the idealistic days, you know, when the when the hospitals were built by churches or groups of doctors, and they really, the, you know, the patients were primary, and, you know, people had to make a living, but they didn't make that the very first priority. And they didn't, you know, they, nobody was trying to make a lot of money off of medicine at the time and I would love to see it go back to that so but that's why I wrote my book I I wanted to share my own personal experience of having to heal myself and how I saw how important self-healing is and that we are our own healers all we do 
is get supported and maybe get a kickstart with, you know, some of the other medicines, including my own, my own acupuncture. That's what I do with people. I support the body to heal itself, but I know who the real healer is. It's not me. It's each individual and their own body. So that's my <laughs> that's my history and my story right now. Well, that's amazing. I guess you could say that the healthcare profession, it runs in the family. And I also have many doctors in my family, and they've all been saying, um, you know, Siri, you should become a doctor one day. <laughs> uh-huh. um, so, so I can totally relate to you. Um, so I wanted to ask you, um, how is integrative medicine different from the other kinds of medicines and you know, that we're usually exposed to it. Yes, we are conditioned in this country to only think of medicine as allopathic medicine. But there are other methods, you know, natural medicines that do exist. We are still considered fringe, which I disagree with. I think we are, you know, important in our own right. But... You know, we're so conditioned now to to see medicine as we wait until we have a symptom, right? And then we go to the doctor and we expect either a medication, which is usually the case, or sometimes we have to have a surgery or have a procedure, um, you know, or some diagnostic uh, blood work, different kinds of testing. And Western medical medicine is wonderful with that particular aspect, but when it comes to chronic disease, when it comes to preventive medicine, when it comes to recovering after we've said, you know, had like maybe a life-threatening illness or an accident or surgeries, uh, then all those areas I really feel like the natural medicine has a lot more to offer. So many of our illnesses and diseases in this country are lifestyle-related. You know, if we look at the amount of obesity we have, people eating fast foods, um, not, probably not getting enough rest. We live, you know, with our foot on the accelerator, and to us, stress a lot of times feels normal. Yeah. And, you know, we need to be in the ebb of the wave as much as the flow of the wave, and putting our foot on the accelerator is only you know, the, the flow of the wave, but we need our rest. We need our relaxation. We need our sense of well-being and, uh, you know, our, our sleep and walking in nature. And we need to slow down when we eat, and we need to be paying more attention because food is medicine. Whatever mm-hmm. we're eating is what gets converted into our tissues and affects our immune systems. And we can even look, I mean, I like I, I look at, COVID right now, and to me, that is actually a lifestyle uh, disease because look who the people are, the majority of people who are actually becoming very ill, going on life support, and sometimes dying, are people that have secondary health issues, either that or the elderly. I'm 75, so I guess I fall in that category of elderly, although I don't feel like it. I work full-time and, you know, keep a very busy schedule, and uh, and I'm really quite healthy. So I guess, you know, it's all relative. 
But, you know, a lot of times it's people with heart disease, lung disease, or diabetes, hypertension, those kinds of things are what people, if they have those um, underlying conditions, they're the ones that are getting into so much trouble with this virus. And to me, the main thing, rather than waiting and waiting for the vaccine or trying to wait, you know, till some of these drugs that really haven't been tested very much yet, why don't we work on our immune systems and then keep our immune systems strong? Because this is going to be the only time we're going to be dealing with something like this. You know, we've had the SARS and the MERS and all kinds of stuff. Yeah, I think. I would say that the maybe one of the issues with Western medicine, although it it does so well to provide, you know, the cure, the treatment, is that it it returns you to it returns the patient from a state of illness to a boundary, to to a set of parameters around a norm. So you're healthy, you're within the norm, so you don't need treatment is the idea that Western medicine comes forth with. And I think I agree with you that that's not enough, that you have to be with the ebbs of those waves. You need to need to take care of yourself constantly because we're dynamic individuals. You know, we don't we aren't we aren't binary. We aren't we aren't sick or not sick, you know, and you only need the treatment when you're sick. You only need them. Then that's not the right idea. So, uh, Bonnie, I actually wanted to ask, um, you know, Mm -hmm. we done some comparisons between sort of the general, the core of Western medicine and the core of integrative medicine. Uh, but what, on on like an individual treatment level, when you first walk into the waiting room or into sort of the, the office um, and you have an appointment, integrative medicine versus medicine, uh, Western medicine, what are the step-by-step comparisons between the two experiences? Wow, uh, that's a really, really good question. Um, Well, again, I think a lot of times people, when they go into the doctor's office, they have a symptom they are bringing in. And that's not really any different. I mean, people come into my office with a symptom. But I really try to look at what might be underlying that symptom to me, everything is a gradient. It's not black and white. It's in gray areas. So most of the time, we don't, unless it's like a an accident, you know, a car accident or something where suddenly someone is, you know, injured very badly. But normally, most of our pain, our stress, our illnesses, um, they're gradient. So they come on slowly and. They don't go away overnight either. So we are an instant fix culture. We're used to driving through, you know, fast food, grabbing our fast food, eating while we're driving or eating on the run or, you know, within that 30 minutes so we have our lunch break or something. Um, it's This kind of medicine is going back to probably more like what my father used to practice, and that's that's how I know about that approach back in the – I think it was the last generation where the doctors actually made house calls. Patients had our phone number. They would call our house when, you know, they needed to talk to my dad. And uh, we never saw him because he was either seeing patients, or, you know, at home or at the hospital or in his office. But, you know, that was the old-fashioned doctor. And I feel like it's almost like 
people in my profession and in chiropractic and, uh, you know, what we consider the ancillary uh, healing professions, that we still practice more like that. When people come in, I want to know their history. I want to understand a bigger picture of what might be causing, you know, their stress and their illness. And, you know, to be able to work with them to make the lifestyle changes, to be able to empower them with what they can do to start their healing process and then to stay healthy. And you don't really see that much, you know, anymore in in the Western medicine. I mean, we're wonderful. You know, we, we do miracles in Western medicine. Like, I had cataract surgery some years ago, and... To walk in the office, sit in a chair, 15 minutes, get up and walk out to my driver who was driving me home and see a world that was not there when I walked in. I mean, that is a miracle. And, you know, we're so, that's commonplace now. There's so many things now that we take for granted that to me truly are miracles. You know, people get their. You know, they have a hip replacement, they get, they, they get their life back, right? Or a knee replacement, they can start exercising again. All those things are absolutely wonderful. But if we can do both, you know, if we can do what we can to prevent, and then if we get something that, you know, can't be prevented um, or it's gone too far, we get that procedure done. But then don't just stop. Just, you know, go back to what, you might have done better before and start doing it. You know, and that's what we can be doing with this uh, virus, keeping our immune system strong. And then even if we do, say we do uh, contract it, we're not going to get as ill as we would have if we hadn't taken care of ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yes, definitely. And, you know, since COVID-19 is like the talk right now, how would you say that integrative medicine specifically can be used right now, especially since there are not many symptoms or, you know, sometimes you won't really see any symptoms? Right, yes. Well, I think we all need to, no matter what age we are, I mean, I know I'm in the category supposedly that, you know, the, um, you know the, one of the dangerous ones, um, and I choose not to even look at it that way, although I wear my mask when I go out. I have been in quarantine now for six weeks. I went in even sooner before, um, you know, it was mandated that we do the shutdown thing. And I have, I take so many supplements you would not believe, <laughs> herbs and supplements. I mean, on a daily basis, I, dr- I, take, I drink um, hot lemon water with some apple cider vinegar in it a little piece of garlic, a little piece of ginger, and a little honey. And I I drink that, you know, off and on all day. I drink a lot of herb teas, green tea. Uh, there's a chaga, C-H-A-G-A tea, uh, ginseng tea. Um, I, love, I love my teas. And I, um, you know, I do, do my best to protect myself when I go out. Uh, I tend to wash my hands more than wear gloves, but I do I do wear my mask. And I I know, you know, we're saying well we're protecting other people from ourselves, and we we are because we may have it and not know it. But I do think the mask probably gives some level of protection, 
if they were around somebody that sneezes or coughs, uh, it's going to keep it, you know, hopefully from going in our mouth and our nose. But I also use um, food-grade hydrogen peroxide. I bathe in that, and I nebulize it, you know, up into my sinuses. I use colloidal silver, and I use that as a nose spray as well as a throat uh, spray. And I take, you know, like a drop internally every day. And um, I take my vitamin D3. I take K2 with that because if you take high doses of vitamin D3, then you want to also take, uh, you know, some K2. I take high doses of uh, vitamin C. And I did get a, uh, I've had a couple IV infusions of vitamin C that I would highly recommend if they're available to anybody as a prevention. But, you know, also if you start feeling, you know, a little bit under the weather, which I did for about a week and fought everything off. And so I'm feeling great now. And in some ways I'm feeling healthier than I have in a long time because I'm really taking better care of myself now, you know, rather than focusing so much on my patients. I'm one of those, you know, typical caregivers, right, that um, (laughs) a lot of times will put everybody before myself and, you know, take care of everybody else and kind of, you know, forget to take care of myself. So I've been forced to do that with this whole experience. And I tell you what, I'm not going to go back to the, you know, the really fast-paced lifestyle that I was in. You know, it's, I'm, I've gone through a lot of changes now. I want to spend more time out in the sunshine and fresh air and in my yard, tending my garden and, uh, you know, planting my herbs and, you know, just appreciating things that I think I took for granted before. I'm getting a lot more rest. So uh, there's some blessings, you know, hidden blessings, I think, with all of this. And I'm actually hoping, too, that we will become more attuned, more sensitive, more aware of how we take care of our planet, you know, after all of this. Because places like even in China, they're talking about being able to see the blue sky for the first time that they can remember. Or, you know, in Italy and Venice, people are seeing fish and ducks and, you know, on the Venice canals that were gone for a long time. And I'm even hearing that in this country, you know, like in L.A. and San Francisco, people are seeing a blue sky where, they, you know, used to be a lot of smog, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping that we will pay more attention and not take those things for granted, you know, any more than our own health anymore. Absolutely. You know, I, I definitely uh, have heard a lot about the differences that staying inside has, has made on our world. And that's been one interesting consequence of, of many of this sort of quarantine time. And, you know, uh, Bonnie, as a last sort of takeaway, as everyone is sort of, you know, stressing about COVID-19, they're weakening their immune systems because of the stress. Mm-hmm. And you, you mentioned gardening, you mentioned enjoying the sun, su- sunshine, taking care of yourself so that, you know, you can take care of others uh, the way you do. Um, what, what, what tip would you recommend to our listeners today to help them de-stress from COVID-19? Well, I think practice gratitude and appreciation for the things that we might have taken for granted before. We're all very, very aware of those. 
the Chinese have one character that means crisis and opportunity. And it depends on which one we want to focus on. I think if we focus on the crisis, that is, you're right, that's not good for our immune system. If we focus on the opportunity and we practice gratitude, I really think that that is going to be good for each of us individually as well as collectively. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Bonnie, for sharing your wisdom on integrative medicine, on the crisis, on on your career and your work with all of us today. Uh, listeners, make sure you visit spiritgatemedicine.com to learn more about Bonnie's work, her advocacy, and integrative medicine as a field that you should really be looking into to take care of yourself better. Also, be sure to support our show and learn about upcoming Be The Star You Are events at bethestarur.org. I'm Brigitte Chia. And I'm Siri Panindra. Show your love for more segments like this one by donating to the Be The Star You Are 501c3 literacy charity that brings you this wonderful program at bethestarur.org. And you can also visit btsya.org to find out more about Be The Star You Are and keep listening for more on medicine. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Are you a teen interested in becoming a radio personality? The Positive Message Outreach Program of Be The Star You Are Charity trains dedicated young people to be reporters and hosts on Express Yourself Teen Radio. Visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com for information. That's ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Don't forget to tune in to Express Yourself Tuesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Kids, where teens talk and the world listens. Voice America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn. You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. Welcome back to Express Yourself. I'm Siri Panindra, and this week's show is centered around medicine. And I'm Brigitte Chia. Finishing off the show today is Siri with her thoughts on medicine. Take it away, Siri. Hey, everyone. Today, I wanted to talk about virtual reality and how it has played a huge role in our healthcare industry. And I wanted to start off with a staggering fact Um, According to a recent study by the Grandview Research, the virtual reality market will grow to $5 billion by the year of 2025. So there's definitely a lot of potential for that. Um, So virtual reality is a technology that creates a stimulated artificial environment. And since today's show is all about medicine, I thought we could focus um, on the medical field in particular and it helps diagnose diseases and treat illnesses. So I thought I would share two medical breakthroughs that involve virtual reality, 
And the first one is about Parkinson's. And so virtual reality has been effective in aiding Parkinson's disease patients and they are unable to walk due to the damage of the neurons that produce dopamine. And with the virtual reality technology, they are able to learn how to balance and navigate through obstacles in an environment. And that in turn in ultimately avoids injuries. And a research team at the University of Utah conducted an experiment which involved patients to use virtual reality for three hours a week for a total of six weeks. And the result was super astonishing as, you know, most of the patients, they were able to navigate through obstacles and ultimately have better balance. And so that leads me to the second purpose of virtual reality. And it can be used to detect Alzheimer's disease at its early stages. And the University of Cambridge has found that through a series of experiments that Traditional cognitive tests are not, a, not as effective as the virtual reality techniques, and a patient who has Alzheimer's has a damaged brain region known as the anterior cortex, which helps with navigation. Through virtual reality, the patient has to wear a headset, and they go through a testing simulation, and researchers can determine based on the patient's navigation, if they're showcasing any early signs or stages of Alzheimer's, which is super cool. And you know, to basically sum things up, I feel virtual reality is super beneficial and it's partially because there are so many detrimental effects to consuming over-the-counter pills or medicine. Um, to name a few, we have drug overdose and side effects and, and another huge Downside to medicine is that they should not be combined with other drugs, which ultimately leads to a lot of uncertainty when it comes to side effects. Virtual reality is not only used in the medical field, but in a huge variety of ways, and you know, such as the military, which uses it as a method of training. So I feel there's just so much potential for virtual reality. Absolutely. Uh, I think you're definitely right there. Um, it's incredible that virtual reality helps with, uh, you know, uh, Alzheimer's and Parkinson's. Uh, I think there's a lot of, you know, disorientation that patients go through when they suffer from these long-term sort of chronic diseases. And uh, I'm glad that technology has arisen to <laughs> to sort of uh, give some some form of treatment, some form of therapy relief to patients who are going through a lot in terms of cognition. I think. I think maybe it would be cool uh, to use virtual reality uh, on the therapeutic level as well. Um, Siri, you mentioned you mentioned drugs and sort of that that risk of overdose. And I know people who struggle with you know addictions to drugs, to alcohol, um, sometimes are going towards substance use because they need an escape. They need to get out of their reality, uh, to get out of the circumstances that are going on in their lives and sort of find a place where they can feel safe or where they can feel relaxed and unstressed. And maybe virtual reality could create a, a sort of haven, you know, like, like when you're reading and you escape into a different world, it could be sort of a <laughs> simulation, right, that could kind of allow <laughs> people to... to breathe a little without having to use 
substances to get away. Uh, Siri, uh, I know that people compare video games to uh, virtual reality and sort of, you know, there's obviously some concerns with video games, but there's also some benefits. Do you think that the video game world could be used to help out with bringing virtual reality into the field of medicine? Um, yes, I would say so, but I feel, you know, when it comes to anything, you should have a lot of control um, and, you know, an extensive amount of video gaming would not be beneficial for your health. Um, but, but definitely, I think, you know, it has a lot of potential to jumpstart um, virtual reality. And I know that um, Google came out with something called a Google Cardboard, um, which is like a VR device. And I feel, you know, there's just so much potential for it. And how it works is that it's a fold-out cardboard viewer and uh, the user can insert a smartphone and it's just so great because it doesn't even require a lot of, you know, hardcore technology. You just put your phone in and you can see all these wonderful things. Absolutely. Uh, my dad bought a couple of those uh, for my sister and I, or my, me and my sister, um, uh, a couple of years back when they when they came out. And I definitely agree with you there is that it is a, a simple and easily accessible tool to anyone who's got access to the internet and the Google Cardboard, which is a piece of cardboard that you can fold up and put a smartphone in. Um, and that's pretty incredible. I think I, I was in a class um, in my fall semester where one of, the, one of my peers um, did a study on virtual reality, uh, not a full study, but sort of a literary analysis where he he chose a couple of papers to sort of dissect and and get into the subject. But he he did some research on virtual reality and it and virtual reality and creative video games specifically, not not sort of the more uh, violent ones uh, that that you know there are some <laughs> some issues with in terms of studies and science. But um, with creative video games and with virtual reality, um, people are able to visualize more and sort of expand their thinking and their cognition um, because they have this perspective, this sort of open world perspective where they can make like more synaptic connections. Um, I'd have to ask him a little bit more to get the specifics. But um, on the whole, it's, it's definitely pretty cool what virtual reality might be able to do. Um, Siri, do you have any, I know they've been posting, people have been posting like 360 and 180 videos on YouTube and things like that. Um, have you seen any of those lately? What do you think virtual reality has the maximum capability to do um, for us as average consumers? Well, I know for a fact that um, virtual reality, it can aid people in training um, for like any job. Um, recently, I went to Roche uh, for a field trip and they showed me this VR device which I had to put on as a headset and it basically showed a 360 view of their medical facilities and they had pipettes and everything and um, it was just super cool uh, to know that that's used as a basis for training for you know people who are just started in the job. Absolutely. That's a, that's a great point, too, is that training for any field 
needs experience. And if you're in a field where where it's not uh, particularly, you know, advised to acquire training on the job, like maybe surgery could be one or or some other you know medical practices i think it's definitely useful to have a virtual reality simulation to have more experienced doctors and and military personnel and other um occupations people in these occupations um who are protecting us and serving us and making sure that we stay safe or healthy or you know (laughs) just well in general uh, but thank you so much, Siri, for this great informative segment. I really learned a lot about VR. Um, I didn't know as much as I should have, and I'm glad we were able to listen to your segment today. Unfortunately, we are out of time for today's show, but audience, make sure you support BTSYA and find information on our creative community, charity efforts, and outreach programs on our main site at bethestarur.org. You've been listening to Express Yourself an on-air global community where teens talk and the world listens. I'm Brigitte Gia. And I'm Siri Panindra. As always, we give our thanks to Star Style Productions, Cynthia Bryan, Be The Star You Are, and our Voice America Empowerment crew, especially our voice engineer, Josh. Thanks to our guests and reporters from across the world, and thank you to our listeners for making us a top-rated program. Trust in medicine, be safe, be healthy, and be home. Speak up, speak out, and express yourself. Thanks for joining us this week on Express Yourself, produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, be sure to visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Please join us again next Tuesday at noon Pacific time, 3 p.m. Eastern, when teens talk and the world listens on the Voice America Kids channel. Until then, remember to express yourself. Stars could shine between the lines if you would let yourself.